going to start this service so we can get Good morning and welcome. The Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is Christ who calls us away from all else so that we may come together and worship him. It is a joy to share with you in this time of worship. I'm especially grateful for those who may be visiting, grateful for our guest. You bless us with your presence as we pray. This is a blessed time of worship for us all. As we gather in worship, just a reminder that to your, uh, in the pews to your left or right, you'll find a registration pad because it helps us to know that you've shared in worship at First Church this morning, and we ask that you sign those, pass those to your neighbors. As we gather for worship, you will see that the bulletin for this morning's worship is somewhat different, larger than we're accustomed to, because as we have announced for several weeks now by various media, we were to share in a service of covenant renewal this morning. Uh, we did this at 8.45, and I'm excited to share in this time of worship with you at the 11 o'clock service. If you have checked out some of the links to this service, you see that this goes back to the earliest days of the United Methodist Church. Uh, John Wesley appropriated such a covenant res- uh, renewal service and found it to be of great significance, great meaning, great vitality within the life of the church and the Methodist movement in particular. So we draw upon this work of our ancestors in faith, remembering we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses as we share in this time of covenant renewal. We decided to do so by way of the worship committee, understanding the season of Lent in particular to be a time of confession, repentance, renewal. So this is before us as we worship this morning. In this season of Lent, other opportunities for gathering and for worship, for study are before us. A reminder that Tuesdays are very significant in the life of this church in this season. Noon on Tuesdays, the Women of Easter study takes place in the uh, Uptown Ministry Center. All women are invited to be a part of that at 645. We have a study here in our fellowship hall, the study of scripture that is assigned to that particular day of Lent. And I'm hoping that in this season you are attending to the discipline of the daily reading of scripture and the scriptures assigned for this coming week are before us. Also on Tuesdays during the season of Lent, the local clergy association (coughs) coordinates Lenten lunches and services of worship. The services take place at Calvary Christian Church this coming Tuesday, again at noon. Uh, Light lunch is served and then a service of worship is offered and I am honored to be the speaker for this coming Tuesday service again at Calvary Christian. Tend to this and other opportunities before us as we gather and worship together. Uh, I, again, look forward to, to sharing in this covenant renewal service, the prayers, the opportunity to confess, to rededicate ourselves as a disciple of Christ. As we prepare for that time of worship, I invite us to prepare.
Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand as we share. In the days of Noah, God placed a rainbow in the sky as the sign of a covenant of God's love for all the earth. In the days of Moses, the words of God were written on tablets of stone as the sign of a covenant between God and all of God's people. In the days of the prophet, God promised to place a new covenant in our hearts. Let us sing. service, I invite us to share in this opening prayer, and then we move into a responsive litany of thanksgiving. Together we pray. O God, searcher of all our hearts, you have formed us as a people and claimed us for your own. As we come to acknowledge your sovereignty and grace and to enter anew into covenant with you, reveal any reluctance or falsehood within us. Let your spirit impress your truth on our inmost being and receive us in mercy for the sake of our mediator, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let us share in our litany of thanksgiving. Let us give thanks for all of God's mercies. O God, our covenant friend, you have been gracious to us through all the years of our lives. We thank you for your loving care, which has filled our days and brought us to this time and place. 
You have given us life and reason and set us in a world filled with your glory. You have comforted us with family and friends and ministered to us through the hands of our sisters and brothers. We praise your holy name, O God. You have filled our hearts with a hunger after you and have given us your peace. You have redeemed us and called us to a high calling in Christ Jesus. You have given us a place in the fellowship of your spirit and the witness of your church. We praise your holy name, O God. You have been our light in darkness and a rock of strength in adversity and temptation. You have been the very spirit of joy in our joys and the all-sufficient reward in all our labors. We praise your holy name, O God. You remembered us when we forgot you. You followed us even when we tried to flee from you. You met us with forgiveness when we returned to you. For all your patience and overflowing grace, we praise your holy name, O God. We stand as we sing from the faith we sing. chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Let us pray. Lord, may your word be that which we hear above all others. Remove all that would distract us from your word. Remove all lesser concerns, so that it is your word that speaks to us now, that fills us, draws us closer to you. Christ, we pray. Amen. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever, I will thwart. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? 
Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is the word of our Lord. Well, I remember still my days as a student at Eastern Mennonite College, home of the fighting Amish. Anyone? Anyone? While there, one of the classes I enjoyed was a class in world religions, also known as a comparative religions course. So in this course, we studied the faiths of Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and other worldwide beliefs. We even took a trip to Washington, D.C., visited a mosque, some temples, met with representatives of these faiths. A textbook assigned as part of this class was a book titled Tell It Well, Communicating the Gospel Across Cultures. <coughs> I remember this textbook well. Remember, it was not a dry academic textbook full of extensive footnotes and bibliography. Instead, the book shared compelling stories of communicating the gospel to those who had never heard. There were within the pages of this book caring and conscientious accounts of sharing the gospel with primitive peoples, persons who could not read, those who may have never seen a book. I remember the impressive ways in which the author of this text told of how persons of the Christian faith could find those points of contact between themselves and those of other or no faith. Again, an impressive class remembered many years later, this class speaking of how to communicate the gospel to those who have never heard. I have but one regret, though, about this class. You see, I wish this class had spoken of how to communicate the gospel to Christians. I wish this class had spoken of how to evangelize the Christians. Perhaps to say such a thing sounds strange, to say such a thing may even sound irreverent. If so, believe me, I don't intend it to sound that way. It's just there are those times in which I sense that all of us, I include myself, may fail to experience the gospel of Christ as the scandal, the offense, the foolishness the gospel is. I say this not to shame or criticize. I just notice we so often take the cross of Christ, this emblem, of suffering and shame, and we turn it into something beautiful, turn it into 14 karat gold to be worn with great pride. Nothing wrong with this, much to be admired about it. Still, our expressions of faith may stand at some distance from the words of the Apostle Paul this morning. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. The cross, a stumbling block, folly as described by perhaps the greatest of Christian witnesses. Understandable how Paul would describe the cross in such fashion. The cross was the most humiliating instrument of death. Jesus was not the only one to suffer death in such humiliating fashion. Paul, though not witness to the death of Jesus, as far as we know, may have witnessed the crucifixion of others. He knew well the scandal, 
the offense of death upon the cross. A scandal and offense we Christians may have forgotten. If so, it's understandable, because really, what is attractive to us about the cross? It is a crude instrument of humiliating death. It is where those considered nothing more than common criminals died. It is that place where those crucified, spikes driven through hands and feet, suffered in agony before death. Still, we sing of the cross, we beautify it, we watch the funeral services for Billy Graham, see this cross front and center, prominent in the building holding the Billy Graham Library. Have we lost the folly of the cross? Have we lost its offense? Have we lost the reality that the cross speaks to us of the ultimate act of self-denial, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate measure of loss, even for the, of love, even for those unworthy of such love. Is there need again to find some means by which to evangelize again the Christians? Perhaps there is. Perhaps United Methodist Bishop Bruce O provides this evangelism as he speaks to United Methodist leaders just days ago. The bishop did so as he preached during a service of worship for those within the commission on a way forward. This commission, highlighted within our most recent church newsletter, is a commission tasked with the work of exploring the witness of the United Methodist Church and its book of discipline regarding human sexuality. In such a setting, Bishop O preached within worship. The bishop preached to those within the body of Christ. He did so with these words. I urge us to practice the Lenten discipline of unbinding unbinding ourselves from theologies of limitation that impoverish the radical grace, inclusion, and freedom of the gospel. Let us practice the Lenten discipline of self-emptying, letting go of the positions we came here to defend and the battles we are plotting to wage in this council or the judicial council or on the floor of the special general conference a year from now. Let us practice the Lenten discipline of listening to God and one another to the point of dying to ourselves. Could it be Bishop O is evangelizing us Christians, sharing the news of the gospel as he recalls the witness of Scripture? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. It may be, we have become negligent of this message. It may be God calls us to renew covenant. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many, says Jesus. A new covenant I make with you, a new covenant. Covenant fulfilling the promise of God made to the prophet Jeremiah, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a, a new covenant with my people. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was their husband, <laughs> says the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with my people after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts, 
and I will be their God. They shall be my people, and no longer shall each man teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And it all begins at the table, doesn't it? It all begins here. It all begins now. This is the place of new covenant. Here we experience forgiveness we can taste. Here we experience the sweetness of new life. Here we find our place at table, a place set for us by God. You know, it was last year, Paula and I wanted to go to a winery in North Carolina, about 40 minutes south of here. We, we had been there before. They have a Friday night music series in the summer months. We looked online, were interested in an upcoming concert called To Make Reservations. We then had the delight of arriving that Friday evening, finding on a table outside a place card with our name on it. You know what? We still have that place card. A reminder of grace a reminder of hospitality, a reminder someone knows us by name. Someone is waiting for us. Someone is excited to see us. That's the experience we know this morning at this table. An experience taking on a new level of meaning at this table as we realize here, we know the ultimate display of grace and hospitality here, we realize the greatest of hosts knows us by name. Here, someone awaits us. Here, someone is excited to see us. It begins at table, where body is given, blood is shed, at this place where covenant is made between God and his people, and all things are made new.
Wesley's covenant service is before us following our offering. As our ushers come forward, we will receive this morning's offering. And a reminder, uh, as you come forward during the celebration of the Lord's Supper, uh, later in the service, the mission boxes are set before us. Uh, the missions of this church are supported by way of your gifts that we receive as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Let us pray. Lord, you bless us, withholding nothing from us. Your love, your mercies are new each day. As we return these gifts in worship of you, we pray that you will receive these gifts and accomplish great things for the gospel of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
I invite us to share in this covenant service. Commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to him that you may belong to him. Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable. Others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interest. Others are contrary to both. In some we may please Christ and please ourselves. But then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. It is necessary, therefore, that we consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. Let us, therefore, go to Christ and pray. Let me be your servant under your command. I will no longer be my own. I will give up myself to your will in all things. Be satisfied that Christ shall give you your place and work. Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart Give it all to your pleasure and disposal. Christ will be the Savior of none but his servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. Christ will have no servants except by consent. Christ will not accept anything except full consent to all that he requires. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. Confirm this by a holy covenant. To make this covenant a reality in your life, listen to these admonitions. First, set apart some time more than once to be spent alone before the Lord in seeking earnestly God's special assistance and gracious acceptance of you, in carefully thinking through all the conditions of the covenant and searching your hearts whether you have already freely given your life to Christ. Consider what your sins are. Consider the laws of Christ how holy, strict, and spiritual they are, and whether you, after having carefully considered them, are willing to choose them all. Be sure you are clear in these matters. See that you do not lie to God. Second, be serious and in a spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, claim God's covenant. Rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength so you can keep your promise. Trust not your own strength and power. Fourth, resolve to be faithful. You have given to the Lord your hearts, you have opened your mouths to the Lord, and you have dedicated yourself to God. With God's power, never go back. And last, be then prepared to renew your covenant with the Lord. Fall down on your knees. Lift your hands toward heaven. Open your hearts to the Lord as we pray. O righteous God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, See me as I fall down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness in not having done your will, for you have promised mercy to me if I turn to you with my whole heart. God requires that you shall put away all your idols. I here, from the bottom of my heart, renounce them all, covenanting with you that no no sin shall be allowed in my life. Against your will, I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch all temptations that will lead me away from you. For my own righteousness is riddled with sin, unable to stand before you. Through Christ, God has offered to be your God again, if you would let him. Before all heaven and earth, I here acknowledge you as my Lord and God. I take you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for my portion, and vow to give up myself, body and soul, as your servant, to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. God has given the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way and means of coming to God. 
Jesus, I do here on bended knees, accept Christ as the only new and living way, and sincerely join myself in a covenant with him. O blessed Jesus, I come to you, hungry, sinful, miserable, blind, and naked, unworthy even to wash the feet of your servants. I do here with all my power, accept you as my Lord and head. I renounce my own unworthiness and vow that you are the Lord, my righteousness. I renounce my own wisdom and take you for my only guide. I renounce my own will and take your will as my law. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. I do here covenant with you, O Christ, to take my lot with you as it may fall. Through your grace, I promise that neither life nor death shall part me from you. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. I do here willingly put my neck under your yoke to carry your burden. All your laws are holy, just, and good. I therefore take them as the rule for my words, thoughts, and actions, promising that I will strive to order my whole life according to your direction and not allow myself to neglect anything I know to be my duty. The Almighty God searches and knows your heart. O oh God, you know that I make this covenant with you today without guile or reservation. If any falsehood be in it, guide me, help me to set it aright. And now glory be to you, O God the Father, whom I from this day forward shall look upon as my God and Father. Glory be to you, O God the Son, who have loved me and washed me from my sins in your own blood, and now is my Savior and Redeemer. Glory be to you, O God the Holy Spirit, who by your almighty power have turned my heart from sin to God. Almighty God, the Lord omnipotent, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have now become my covenant friend, and I, through your infinite grace, have become your covenant servant. So be it, and let the covenant I have made on earth be ratified in heaven. I would encourage you to keep this covenant with you, perhaps to sign it, to refer to it again and again, especially in this holy season of Lent. And again, remembering God's covenant made with us this day. I invite us now to greet one another. We pass the peace of Christ and prepare to receive the Lord's Supper. Find our places. We prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in remembrance of Him. You may follow along on page nine, or we find this projected, I believe. There are three responses in bold print. We will sing those responses as we are led by our choir. The prayer that you offer may differ slightly from the wording I speak. The wording I speak is appropriate to the season of Lent and especially to the scripture before us this day. But again, your responses will be the same. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Through Abraham and Sarah, you brought forth a nation of your people and made an eternal covenant with them. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praised your name and adjoined their unending hymn.
blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, who cleansed the temple of unrighteous activities and foretold his resurrection from the dead. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and to death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. Poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. To remember him thus is foolishness to the wisdom of our age. But your foolishness is greater than our wisdom, and your weakness greater than our strength. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. that we have as children of God, we pray as Christ has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and to deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the table of our Lord, and again, he has set a place for each of you. You're invited to come forward. There will be two stations here. You'll receive a portion of the bread. You're invited to dip that into the cup that will be held before you. And then, as you feel led, you may kneel here for a time of prayer. A reminder, as well, again, of the mission boxes that are with us as we receive the Lord's Supper. They support the mission ministries of the church I'll invite you to come forward down the center aisle. Our choir will come first. I invite us to conclude the service of the great thanksgiving, sharing in the words of prayer as they are before us on page 11 of our hymnals as well. Let us pray. 
Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We share our closing hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Let us stand. as the light of Christ, as the light of the God who makes new covenant, giving himself his body and blood this day, nourishing us for this day and all our days. So go and know the embrace and the peace of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.